Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Hello, this is Antonio of the Cultworthy Podcast, and you're listening to Sugarcoated Murder, a deliciously decadent true crime podcast about murder and muffins. Put your bib on, because your hosts Anne and Karen have whipped up some tasty tales of untimely death, and nothing makes murder go down smoother than the delectable goodies fresh from their oven. So sit back. Have a drink and make room for murder. Sugar-coated murder. Bon appetit. And we're back. Welcome to part two of our shenanigans with Jay and Kay from the Fuck My Work Life podcast. Sorry, Mama. I want to tell you that this recipe, <laughs> this magic s'mores bar, I know why it call, they call it magic now, because it's magic if you can get it out of the pan. <laughs> <laughs> It looks really pretty baked in the pan, but this is what it looks like when you get it out of the pan. Can you see it? Uh It's like a looks. It's about to fall off. It looks like s'mores. It looks like chopped up s'mores. So it's graham cracker crumbs and butter pressed into the bottom of a pan, and then a layer of sweetened condensed milk and a layer Mm of chocolate chips, Mm -hmm. and then you put mini marshmallows and broken graham crackers and broken up like Hershey bars on top. Then you bake mm-hmm. it. But I that thought it was going to be more of a bar and less than a, it's like a, not like a hot pudding. <laughs> <laughs> like a hot, chunky pudding. Yes. So, but I mean, it smells good. It, it looks like a s'more. We'll taste it and see did how. Did you we, make any changes? I like, did not did you make read the any. Recipe I, like you normally do and you were like, oh, I'm not doing it that way. I'm going to No, I followed the recipe exactly okay. today. I mean, it smells good. Well, it's a s'more. So good. It's really good. It's real sweet. Mm-hmm. I don't think we needed the sweet and condensed milk. I don't understand the sweet and condensed milk part of it because it really is just sits like sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's just not mixed it's into anything. Not even like whipped up or mixed. It's just it's sitting. just like a it's real good. It's like a layer of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not 
going to say where I got this recipe from because I don't give them a bad reputation for having a bad recipe. Well, I'm not saying the recipe was bad. Are you saying the cookbook? Oh, no. no. fighting words. We will tussle. No. We will tussle. <laughs> Listen, I ain't scared of you. I know you should be, though. I'm a dog, though. I wish the marshmallows had gotten toastier. Mm. If I had my torch up here, I'd torch the son of a Yes. And yeah. so they were toasty. Yeah. Because that's what I like is a toasty. Yes. So what, cool. what kind of dog do you have? He's a pain in the ass dog, whatever breed that is. <laughs> oh, he's, he's a rat terrier mix. 16 pounds of cute. <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump in here and say that when we're done recording here, I am going to put together smoked shotgun shells. Is that yeah. legal out there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. In, in barbecue, every year there is a new thing that like people do. You know, last year, what was it? Last year was oh, the smoked queso. You take like cream cheese and cheddar cheese and mm-hmm. and ground beef and ground sausage, like ground pork sausage and bell peppers, put them all in a like an aluminum pan, put them on the smoker, let it go for a while, and it makes like a smoked queso. Oh, wow. And, and you season it. So that was last year. The year before was the armadillo eggs where you would oh. take, well, they call it an <laughs> armadillo an egg. egg. It's not an actual <laughs> armadillo. I know you. Do they lay eggs? I don't, I don't think know. they do. They, no. I think they're mammals. But, they bear, they're they're young. Yeah, they're young, lot young. So, Why would you name something after an animal that causes leprosy? <laughs> What's well, happening? No. It doesn't sound appetizing. Here's your leprosy egg. Yeah. So, you. yeah, so the armadillo eggs was like jalapeno mm-hmm. stuffed with uh, like cooked bacon chopped up and cream cheese. Mm-hmm. Stuff stuff the jalapeno with that. And then wrap it in like form sausage around the jalapeno, the jalapeno oh and then wrap that in bacon and smoke it. Oh, jeez. I know. Oh, it sounds God. so good, doesn't it? <laughs> so good. So it's this so year is smoked shotgun shells. Okay. Let's so hear it. It is ground beef, breakfast sauces, like hot breakfast sausage mm-hmm. mixed together. And then you chop up bell peppers and onion and like a chili. I just got like a green chili and chop that up and mix it in with the, with the, with the meat and then some cheese, mix that in with the meat. And then you stuff manicotti shells. Oh, that's so fun. You stuff manicotti shells and then you wrap those in bacon. The bacon already. And you, you let it sit, you let them sit overnight so that all the juices from the meat will soften soften the the shell, soften the manicotti. And then you put it on the smoker tomorrow and you smoke it for an hour. And then after that, you take barbecue sauce, pepper jelly, honey, and a little seasoning. And you heat that up and you make a glaze and you glaze the top of it. Oh, yeah. Mercy. That's you up to date on your cholesterol medication. It is heaven. I'm taking my cholesterol medication. You've been taking your pressure pills. (laughs) My blood pressure is fine. My cholesterol, (laughs) not so much. (laughs) Not so much, huh? So have you ever had a redneck roll? It's like an egg roll, but it's stuffed with barbecue and collard Mm -hmm. greens and pimento cheese. And deep fried. Let me tell you something that will make you smack your mama, your mama's mama, and your mama's mama's mama. All of them, all at one time. You just line them up and smack them. 
That's what it'll do. You know, the so last good. the last time we talked, I I was talking about doing grits. Yes, we never I, did grits. I know we never I know, did grits, we never and I still any, need we to suck. do it. <laughs> need to, I've never tried grits. I need to. I need to oh, have yeah. grits. I remember. <laughs> I remember we talked, and like you guys are like me. Like I just like my grits with butter. Yeah, we are just you know, like just real like traditional. Butter. Yeah, yeah. I don't do the like people put syrup or honey or that's shit like that. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Isn't, that, mm-hmm. isn't like shrimp and grits a popular thing? Shrimp and Huge grits is a popular here. thing. Yeah. yeah. That's and it's good. It's really good. It's, it's kind of spicy. But it's more on the savory side. Yeah. Not the yeah. not the not the sweet side. I don't mm-hmm. it's just like I eat cottage cheese for breakfast almost every morning. Wow. And does, does Kay make you? you? Kay, do you make no. him do that? No, that's no. all him. No, that's all me. <laughs> No, I eat cottage cheese. And, I'm sorry. And a lot of people, they they they're like, oh, you don't put like honey and sugar in your cottage cheese. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I put, I either get like roasted red pepper hummus and put it yeah. in there, mm-hmm. or I get, uh, or I take straight like hot sauce and put okay. it in there. To cover up that vinegary taste <laughs> of the cottage the actual cheese. taste of the cottage. That fermented, that fermented, <laughs> yeah. But some cottage cheese you get, it, it's pretty good. Like it doesn't have that. Dude. You don't get that vinegar taste yeah. in it. it. It's it's too curdy for me. I don't yeah. like the curds. It's a yeah. a consistency thing. I don't eat yogurt either. So like I, I can't I have stand a yogurt. Me neither. It makes me gag. It's yeah. horrible. So the only time I like yogurt is if I put crunchy things into it. So it's not just that creamy. Yeah. And put granola in hers mm-hmm. and cereal. Cause she don't drink milk. So she puts her cereal she in, put in there. Fruity yogurt. pebbles. Captain, no, Captain Crunch. No. <laughs> Kashi. We do the Kashi mm-hmm. um, organic, um, the blueberry clusters. We try to eat clean. We have an app that tells us like if things are clean or not. Well, just ignore your dog. He's not driving anybody else nuts. He's fine. We're all fine. We're good. We're going to need more bourbon. We're going to need more <laughs> bourbon. We always need more <laughs> bourbon. We, do you need more Baileys? Kay. Yeah. Kay. I think you have, first of all, Jay. Perfect. Fantastic. The, the, the well way that you presented that murder case so was passionate. riveting and passionate. Yeah. And I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I just didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> He's acting like we're not I'm glad you guys here. liked it. We really <laughs> did. We Man. did. We really loved it. So. Look here. Maybe I can't you? read so great. <laughs> But I know when people are pulling my leg. <laughs> oh, 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 buddy. No, don't don't you that. bless my heart. Don't you bless my heart. <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you do it. You've not blessed my heart. No. Don't you talk that mess. <laughs> I don't know what Keith's going to do. I don't know how it's. I don't know. I don't even know how she's going to follow that up. I know. I don't know. That performance is pressure. supreme. Oh. <laughs> She's well, gonna read her big letter, <laughs> her big, big letter, letter story. <laughs> when are you 11 point font? He was time, eight. I was 11. She's like Mine's 20. Like 20 because I'm very blind. <laughs> so you can get these little magnifiers that have a line across them that you just oh, lay you just on the line, and then it just and then you just take it down the line and then down the line, and it will help you. 
I'm about to go play place. my video game. You keep talking this <laughs> And next time we're gonna get you a highlighter. We'll get you. Yeah. Every time you get interrupted, you just mark a little spot on your paper, put your highlighter, and then you know exactly. Then you, know, then you don't. Then you don't lose your place. We got you. I think maybe I needed Bino more than I needed anything else. Bino would be maybe some poems. Yeah, <laughs> sort of an antacid. You need an antacid. Mm-hmm. An Alka-Seltzer. Something. <laughs> But it's fine. I'm sure you've got all them belters right out of your system. Good. All right, Kay, what you got for us? Okay. So mine's mine's a slightly more lighthearted than Jay's. So I think it'll be a good way, a good way to end. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna tell you tell y'all the story of Nellie Mae Madison. So this is the first woman to be sentenced to death in the state of California. That's so fancy. Isn't that lighthearted and fun? I love that. Wow. I love a first. (laughs) Okay. So this, I'm going to read you a snippet from the court documents first to to set the scene. Okay. So around four o'clock on Sunday afternoon, March 25th, 1934, a body identified as that of Eric D. Madison was found in the room occupied by the couple in an apartment house in the city of Burbank in Los Angeles County. The evidence also showed, showed that four out of six bullets fired from a 32 Colt revolver pierced the body. The shots were shown to have been fired at close range. One of them pierced the head, coming out at the corner of the left eye near the nose. Another entered the back and passed through the great aorta into the liver. Some pierced the mattress and bedding and lodged in the floor beneath the bed. Others lodged in the wall. The body of the deceased was found clad only in underwear, lying partly on the floor with the left arm over a chair. There were large blood stains on the bed linen, and the underclothing on the deceased was blood stained. The evidence satisfactorily satisf- oh, satisfactorily like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's an SAT word right there. Do you need to burp? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> The evidence satisfactorily established that the body had been dead more than 12 hours. I do need to take a breath. Yeah, take a breath. (laughs) And breathe. (laughs) All right. So Nellie was born Nellie Mae Mooney in April of 1895 to Irish immigrant ranchers in Red Rock, Montana. Nellie's upbringing was very different from other women of the time on the ranch, she worked hard. She learned how to ride horses. She learned how to shoot guns and she gained such proficiency in shooting that she became known locally as a crack shot. And this was before she was even a teenager. Nice. So she was a toddler with a good shot. That's right. She was a crackhead. In 1895. I didn't know they had it then. She was the first. That was what? What do they call the stuff that Edgar Allan Poe did? What was that? Smelling salts. No, <laughs> that's when you get the vapors. What was it? I don't know. Snuff. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> whippets. Well, yeah, he was. He was taking <laughs> cans of whipped cream and doing whippets. Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, so she was very strong-willed and impulsive. And of course, she had a thing for flashy, overly confident men. She married for the first time in 1908 at age 13. Whoa. To a, <laughs> Whoa. To a 24-year-old cowboy named Ralph Brothers. That's where they get the term, whoa, Nelly. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Girl. <Yeah. laughs> Slow your roll, Nellie. <laughs> so they ran off and they eloped in Utah. But once her parents found out, they quickly had the marriage annulled. Oh, gosh. Later on, uh, Nellie moved to Idaho to attend Billish Business College. And that's where she married her second husband, firefighter Clarence Kennedy, in 1917. So not much is known about their relationship, but they were soon divorced. And not long after, she married her third husband, mechanic Earl Trask, in 1919. So she's had three husbands by the time she's 24 years old. Wow. She's (laughs) a professional. She is a professional. (laughs) Professional something. Yeah. (laughs) So Nellie and Earl moved to Los Angeles, but he soon walked out on her and it took a little while, but they officially divorced in 1924. In 1925, she married William Brown. Whoa, a prominent <laughs> she just happening? likes being married. She's really good at it. She's really good at getting people to marry her. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he was a prominent lawyer and he was actually the brother of her divorce attorney from her last marriage. Uh, <laughs> and they lasted about five years, but in 1930, they got divorced. And that is when she moved to Palm Springs to become a manager of the Desert Inn Hotel. It was like a hot spot for celebrities of the time. And she was the manager there. In the spring of 1933 is when Nellie met Eric Madison. He was said to have an eye for the ladies, big dreams and schemes. He dressed well and drove a sporty 1930 Buick Coupe. It's basically a bus. <laughs> but they it call it sporty bus. back then, but it was basically a bus. Well, it wasn't a horse and wagon, so it was right. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a history of rude, aggressive behavior, and he had shown in the past that he wasn't afraid to hurt people or toy with their emotions to get what he wanted. Now I know why. So, bitch, already. I like <laughs> that's what. That's why Nelly liked him. Nelly <laughs> loved that. She's like, she give me some of that. Get your hands from around my throat. (laughs) (laughs) For the third time today, remove your hands from around my throat. (laughs) So after a whirlwind romance, and also upon Eric learning that Nellie had a $1,000 inheritance coming to her. Not a thousand. A thousand, which I guess I should have looked up like what that is in today's money, but I didn't. Probably like eight million. Yeah. Probably (laughs) enough money to get married for, I guess. Oh my gosh. So they got married in July of 1933. So that's only a couple months after they met. They moved to Salt Lake City, where they collected her inheritance and then quickly moved back to Los Angeles. And they both went to work in the commissary at Warner Brothers Studios. Eric only lasted about two weeks at the job before he was fired by the studio boss, Jack Warner. For shouting at and shoving director Alfred Green and for overcharging him for a box of cigars. No way. No way. He overcharged him. That is grounds for for dismissal. You don't do that. That that was the straw that broke the camel's back right there. You can can shove me. me. You can yell at me. You can call me whatever you want. You overcharged overcharged me for cigars. That's it. You're out. You're out. You dirty so much. That's right. <laughs> it's unacceptable. Okay. okay. All right. Go We're ahead, serious. Babe. Okay. So fired for 
overcharging for his cigars. In March 1934, Nellie came home early from a movie to find Eric in bed with a 16-year-old girl. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And it turned out that she wasn't the only one. <gasps> he had the girls in the bed? No, no, no. <laughs> there was like a group of them. Turned out there was an infant the that he was... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Turns out that he had five 16 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> add them all up and they're age appropriate for one. <laughs> the only one at that time, but not the only time okay. he had done this. Okay. Um, he had secretly been cheating on his wife multiple times, mostly with teenage girls. Oh, Ooh, come on, guys. Yeah. So our stories kind of have some similarities here. Yeah. I see a connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I think it's crazy. Like if you listen to like the true crime podcasts and and podcasts about the, this kind of stuff, there are so many creepy fucks in the world oh, yeah. that so are just bad. like almost thirty, but still want to bang someone who like sorry, mama, just it's- put a bra on. Yeah, it's like you know? still in crazy. Like yeah, it's sorry, like- mama. Sorry, mama, but there are some fucked up people in the world. That's all yeah. I'm saying. It's so it's and it's so prevalent. There's so many of them. It's that's horrible. the thing is like, holy crap. We, yeah. we can't get rid of them. Like we can't seem to eradicate the planet of these kind of people. Y'all listening. <laughs> Nellie flew into a rage, of course. Uh, and Eric responded with his usual aggression and anger. He shouted back at Nellie and then began to beat her. And I think this was the first time that was happened, kind of revealing his his dark side that he tried to hide from her. According to witnesses, the shoutings and beatings continued for six days. Days, yeah, yeah. Like their neighbors, they lived in an apartment, okay, apartment building. So neighbors heard this happening. But you know, it was like 1934. So you mind your business. Just keep to yourself. Yeah, that's when you ah, get a hold of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Three Stooges. Sorry, it's fine. We're good. good. Everybody's good. good. Um, okay, so yeah, so the the witness around heard the the shoutings and the beatings, and then Eric also forced her to sign a note saying that their marriage was false and that she had cheated on him. What? Yeah, he was a nice guy, um, super nice and flashy. Yeah, nice and flashy. <laughs> He's got that coop. <laughs> Uh, so Nellie, you know, at this point, she was desperate and she needed to find a way to escape Eric. So a few days later, on March 23rd, Nellie went to a secondhand dealer to purchase a Spanish revolver. She told the salesman that her and her husband were going on a trip and they needed a gun. She signed the application, paid the deposit and returned for the gun the next day. She then went to a local hardware store to purchase some shells, but was told the gun would have to be repaired before it could be fired. So she bought another gun. She bought a 32 oh. caliber Colt revolver. Wow. She didn't have enough money with her to pay the bill. So she said she'd have to go get more money from her husband and return later that day with the money. She then explained that she and her husband wanted the gun for target practice on a weekend trip and did not want to wait the required 24 hour period before she could have possession of the gun. 
So at the store, she called up the police department and asked for two people by name who were not available and then went upstairs to use the phone up there. And when she came back down, she said Lou had told her that or had authorized her to take the gun. So oh, guess, so we're good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I called it in and, and yeah. Lucy so said, that's had, fine. <laughs> they had gun laws even back then in so. California. Seems like yeah. it. Yeah. I think it was the only state that had it. Probably. Probably, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, isn't this in like the 30s? Yes, Can't yeah. you just be go in and like throw well, probably a, not a, as a lady. Throw it, throw <laughs> down a sack of of Inordinate coins. Gold, gold coins. <laughs> like, doubloons. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they were doubloons. Yeah, give me a shot of whiskey and a gun. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and f- food for my horse. And, <laughs> and, and we'll whore. be good. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I said horse. <laughs> sorry, I went in a different direction. Yeah, there were there were multiple, uh, not just one oh. whore. There were there were multiple horses. Got it. Got it. We're on the same page. So her her plan worked, and she was able to leave the store with both of the guns and shells for the Colt revolver. The next evening, around eight p.m., Nellie sat in the lobby of their apartment building where her and Eric lived. And she just had a conversation with the caretaker. He asked her where her husband was. And she replied that he'd be home around 10 or 12 or one or two or not at all. And the caretaker jokingly asked, what, another woman? And she replied, yes, another woman. Actually, it's just a girl, not a woman. Not a horse. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Another toddler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What'd you say? She'll go say it. He had horse. He had horse. (laughs) He had horse. Of course. So at around 10 past 10 o'clock that evening, Eric walked into the lobby, said something to the caretaker, and then just walked into their apartment, completely ignoring his wife still sitting in the lobby. She followed behind him, and that was the last time Eric was seen alive. So just before midnight, Eric was laying in bed, arguing with Nellie, who was standing at the foot of the bed. Nellie showed him the gun that she'd purchased intending on just threatening him to give her the note back that she was forced to sign. Once he saw the gun, he started cursing and then reached under their bed where there was a box of butcher knives for some reason. Oh, oh my. <laughs> where do you keep yours? Um, in the spare bedroom under the bed. <laughs> in the fucking drawer? In the, in the kitchen? <laughs> well, aren't you just a bore? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. You never know when you might need them. In the middle of the night. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I got to go check the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, under the bed is a normal place. A box of them, yeah. Yeah, a whole box of them. So he reached under the bed where there was a box of butcher knives and hurled two at her in quick succession, but he missed, luckily. So as he turned to reach for another one, that's when Nellie shot him five times in the back. Oh. Uh-oh. So was Wait this guy, did this guy, uh, was he throwing them behind? Did like, he yeah. moonlight as one of those guys in the circus that like throws oh, yeah. knives the, nice at right, the right. girls on the wheel as they spin? Because I have a feeling that may be why he had, how the does <laughs> yeah. he have a box of knives under his misses. desk <laughs> and or under his bed? And he's just <laughs> grabbing them and flinging them. Like, <laughs> And not and not hitting her, which yeah. if that's true, then he shouldn't be hitting her because his profession is to miss. Right. Yeah. So right. Yeah. That makes sense. But also, who has <laughs> knives under their bed? Were they 
there again. We're back yeah. there. I mean, yeah. You yeah. might want to check and see what that shoe box is under your bed. We've no, it's shoes. I know it's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I put it under there. I put, I put all like seven of them under there. It's shoes. It's shoes. Okay. Ain't nothing and wrong with that. It's a shoe bin, not a box. It's a bin. It's fine. We're with you. Okay. Have you we looked all up, love shoes. Have you looked under the shoes? That's right. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Okay, so she she shot him five times. Oh, okay. Our kitten is on the table. Yeah. Oh, we got a new kitten. Hey, kitty, kitty, But I we love her. She is an angel. Angel. He just loves me more than her. Okay. Okay. Because they live so close to Warner Brothers Studios, neighbors who heard the shots thought they were coming from the gangster movie that was being filmed there. Oh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, Eric's body was discovered and Nellie was nowhere to be found. Oh. So going off of a tip, a couple days later, police found her hiding under a blanket in the closet of a mountain oh. cabin about 80 miles away. Oh, that makes sense. And uh, she was arrested for first degree murder. Oh, my gosh. So I, have, I, I have issues like, with this. Yeah, I, feel I have like some maybe issues it was with self-defense. Yeah. Uh, yes. But I think back then they didn't give women any breaks. No. no. Nope. Mm-mm. This is this was 1934. And gonna... should be. Oh, shut your face. <laughs> shut up, Daryl. Shut up, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> damn devil women. <laughs> all that bullshit. <laughs> Shooting that man when all he was trying to do was sleep with a 16 year old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I and mean, so come on. Yeah. 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 That's all. So this is this is like when the media frenzy started to happen. Dozens of reporters attended her interrogation at the Burbank police station. Nellie denied killing her husband, but was forced to reveal her colorful past, all of her marriages and such, which, you know, at that time, not okay. Which started when she was 13. Who married a 13 year old? Let's go back and find that guy. Right. He's the one that really has an issue. Exactly. Um, So she was jailed while awaiting trial. Do you hear some commotion? She's just running around the computer. Yeah, yeah. It, um, like we hear your commotion, but we also have a kitten that's like, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm on the podcast. I'm on the podcast. Like, yeah, this well, is happening. I'm just. She might she's as well be. Run across the keyboard and like disconnect us. She. Oh, that would be sad because I, oh, I don't. Puppy. Oh, she's already had a. She's had a strong conversation with him. I don't think it went well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think it went well at all. I don't think she won. <laughs> Oh, okay. So she was jailed while awaiting trial and Nellie became the main focus of all five daily newspapers in Los Angeles. She was tall, dark, and beautiful. And she was likened by journalists to the deadly femme fatales featured in pulp magazines and noir novels of the period. Oh my gosh. So it was a a media trial. Yeah. 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 So on June 6th of 1934, the LA County district attorney announced he was going to seek the death penalty. No, no woman had ever been executed in the state of California. Terrible. I know. Terrible. That's just terrible. So, so much wrong with all of this. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm so, glad yours is like light in the mood. <laughs> for yes. this woman who probably should have never gone to jail. No. Mm-mm. Just wait. Just wait. Okay. Just wait. <laughs> just wait, Jay. It gets good. Okay. So the trial began the next day. 
So the odds, the odds were very much stacked against Nellie. So the media had already painted her as this cold, calculated murderer with multiple marriages and divorces. And without even wanting to know the whole story, the DA stated, Mrs. Madison shot her husband in the back. Any motive is of no concern to the prosecution. And to top it off, Judge Charles Frick was in charge of the case. Frickin' Frick. What the frickin' Frick? What the Frick? Frick. Frickin' jerk. Frickin' Frick. (laughs) So Frick was known as a hanging judge. Oh, lordy. Meaning he tended to hand out death penalties and other harsh sentences. He even allowed the prosecution to bring the actual deathbed with bloody sheets to sit in the courtroom as evidence during the trial. (gasps) That's a little dramatic. Yeah. (laughs) It's very dramatic. And unsanitary, if I have to say. It is the 30s. Yeah, this this happened six months ago, but we have the bloody, moldy deathbed. They've been sitting in the apartment the whole time. Never mind the mushrooms. They will (laughs) you up if you eat them. But, you know. Her lawyer wasn't much of a help either. He did not want her to bring up any of the abuse that she endured from Eric during the trial. Instead, he made up an elaborate story that the man Nellie had shot was not Eric at all, but an intruder in their apartment. And she played along. Wait, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a well-oiled machine. This is oh going swimmingly. <laughs> and while somebody, while, somebody while get you my have, Xanax. <laughs> while you have one dog on your shoulder, you need to have the other arm on the hair. So when you want to talk, you can just Jay. I thought you were my friend. I thought I was too until I read my story. Until I read my story, and you didn't understand the plight of having small letters. And just judged me the whole way through. And now Kay gets her big letter story. And y'all don't say nothing. Y'all don't say nothing. Help me. Dear baby Jesus. (laughs) I apologize, baby Jesus. (laughs) So needless to say, She was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death by hanging. A few weeks before the scheduled execution, Nellie filed for appeal. All of the points of the appeal were refuted. It was decided that the trial had been fair and legitimate, and the only positive outcome was that her execution was pushed back another month, giving her a little bit more time. To just sit and think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. So Nellie was desperate for any help she can get. And it actually came in the form of her ex-husband, the lawyer, William Brown, whom she Ah. actually remained good friends with. Nice. Oh, that's a smart girl. So Brown, having heard Nellie's true story, told her to make it public. He urged her to open up and finally tell the truth about what had happened. Nellie fired her previous lawyer and hired a new attorney, Lloyd Nix, And at first, the authorities were unmoved by her claims. But then Eric's ex-wife, Georgia Madison, came forward to say that she had also been abused by him. Oh, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And this helped strengthen Nellie's case. 
and change her image in the eyes of the media and public. So they're starting to turn to her side now. Yeah. Suddenly, everything was starting to change for Nellie. The media were now writing stories about her as a lonely, struggling victim of terrible abuse, trapped behind bars simply for defending herself against a ruthless aggressor. That's bullshit. (laughs) Shut your mouth, girl. Shut up, girl. Shut up. Uh, One of the most important people in Nellie's corner was Aggie Underwood, who was a prominent journalist at the time. She researched the case, finding out that Eric had a history of abusing his former partners and had also cheated on them regularly, often with teenage girls. Yeah. So. Is he not in jail before he even marries the lady? Well, it's not a good time for women and girls. She's getting the death penalty for killing him, and he should be in prison for doing nefarious activities with people. Underage children. Mm -hmm. Did they have those laws back then? Was there like statutory Uh, rape and all that kind of stuff? I doubt it. Probably not. No way. No way. Or having no way. Yeah. So. So this um, reporter led the charge to defend Nellie and fight for her execution to be called off. So thanks to the hard work of people like Aggie, the public perception of Nellie transformed dramatically. People around California and elsewhere across the U.S. started writing letters to the state governor, Frank Merriman, asking him to commute the sentence. Every single member of the jury that had convicted Nellie petitioned the governor as well to call off the execution. And then the governor eventually relented. And in September 1935, he commuted Nellie's sentence to life in prison. So so no longer the death penalty. Nice. But she still was in prison. She still was in prison, but I got a little more. Okay, good. (laughs) Wait, they ain't kill her? (laughs) They didn't kill her. Not yet. She died in prison? Will you let me finish my story? Oh, good Lord. Why are you getting so uppity? <laughs> Shut up, Daryl. I'm doing the bird podcast. Daryl. Damn you, Daryl. <laughs> Trying to tell a story. And it's taking a little longer because her letters are bigger. They're so big. Oh, yeah. I noticed that she's like reading slow and she's got the big letters. Yeah. Mine she's was three and a half out. pages of little letters. And hers, hers is, is like, like three seven. and a half pages of big letters. Mm-hmm. She's just reading a little slower. I win. <laughs> I'm not sure how, but okay. We'll give That's it to you. That's right, honey. You win. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I hate y'all. <laughs> oh, we love you. Yeah, whatever. Oh, <laughs> blessing. Where's my kitty cat? <laughs> All right, I'm almost. I'm almost done. Okay, we're good. Oh, and here comes the cat again. Okay, so Nellie was relieved to have avoided execution, but she didn't want to spend life behind bars simply for defending herself against an abusive man. So in the years that followed, she carried out a letter writing campaign, first focusing on Governor Merriman and then later on his successor, Colbert Olson. By 1940, Nellie was communicating directly with Olson's aide, who advised her on the proper channels to follow and steps to take to seek a pardon. It took seven and a half years in total, but Nellie's lobby lobbying finally paid off and she was freed on the 27th of March in 1943. Whoa, Way Nellie. Go, Nellie. Yeah. So back then. What? <laughs> <laughs> she got off scot-free. Yeah. 
So back then, the concept of spousal abuse as a defense for murder was unheard of, and the media's tendency to paint women who kill as villainous femme fatales harmed her chances. But fortunately, with the help of people like Aggie Underwood, along with her hard work and determination, Nellie managed to battle back against the system and win her freedom, setting a precedent that changed legal proceedings for countless women in the years that followed and making the legal system as a whole reassess its way of handling cases involving domestic abuse. Wonderful. Just so you know, it's still legal in the state of South Carolina for you to beat your wife on the courthouse steps on Sunday. Only on Sundays. <laughs> Only on Sunday. That's when all the husbands are dragging their and wives to the, to the courthouse. Steps. They call it brunch, but we know better. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to no brunch. Uh-uh, I do brunch on Saturdays now. Oh <laughs> well, there you go. True. Stories, guys, this has been so much freaking fun because it was a podcation for us. And it was yeah. funny. Funny as shit. That's, that's the other thing. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. Do you want to add anything? I do want to add, add a little, a little, um, uh, what is it? Not prequel. What's after a prequel? Epilogue? A post. A little, oh. a little epilogue <laughs> yes, of yes. Nellie. Okay. Because she got married one more time. <laughs> of course she did. Come on now. Write <laughs> it in, babe. She, she remains married to this man. Until she died of a stroke in 1953. That's right. So that one stuck. Nice. That's good. (laughs) Good job, Nellie. And she never had children. Nope. She never had kids. Lucky for her. She didn't want them. She didn't want them. Well, I know, but I don't think back then you got a big set. Her husband had so many. She didn't want any. Yeah. Yeah. He kept taking What do you mean by had so many children? You mean like fathered children or had them in the bed? (laughs) (laughs) Drinking at the same time. A couple straight. Big couple swig right there. The couples who drink together. I don't know. Burp together. That's right, baby. (laughs) Oh, I bet it's fun up in there on Saturday night. (laughs) We party hard. I'm sure y'all do. You don't even have to turn the TV on. I can't Mm -hmm. quit you, girl. (laughs) My face hurts from laughing so hard, y'all. Damn. (laughs) This is what happens behind the scenes. Lord have mercy. I love it. Sorry, mama. Sorry, mama. Well, guys, we thank you so much for coming on and having such a blast with us. I I mean, I'm telling you. This has really been such a great Saturday night. What was that? Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. So now our dog is playing with the kitten who was running around the table. Y'all have such a little petting suit going on there. We really do. do. We really do. We have three cats and a dog. I love that. Three cats and two dogs, but one dog is no longer with us. Yeah. With us spiritually. Yeah. Oh, crossed over the rainbow crossed bridge. Over that rainbow yes. bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It happens. I saw we. We will. You we'll call pedophile you. murdering some bitch. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Everybody can find them on social media. And they can find us on social media. Oh, that's right. So y'all just find us on social media. media. We don't give a shit how you do it. Just figure it out. Whatever. Do it. Just do it. Just just figure it out already. Okay. We can't give you everything. Just find us. I mean, if you're listening to this, you already (laughs) found us. So what's the big deal? All of the socials will be in the show notes. Yes. Thank you. 
Thank you, director. Very, very <laughs> professional. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, we would very much like it if you could stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. Oh, and yeah. And we're going to use bad words bad and everything. <laughs> we're going to call you Daryl. Call Dang you it, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Jojatorium. Whoa, Matt, this isn't an episode. It's a trailer. Well, what the hell's a trailer, Adam? It's where we tell people what they can expect from our podcast, Decaying with the Boys. Well, they can uh, expect to hear us talk shop on pro wrestling, craft beer, horror movies, and pop culture, like Britney Spears' creepy father and stuff like that. We literally never talked about Britney. But we do take our shots at everything else, he said. Well, then uh, I guess I can also tell them they can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Anchor FM. And don't forget to find us on all social media at KNWTV. Cheers. This has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar-Coated Murder Podcast. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.